Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks. Thank you, Scott. And uh, what's going on? Did your plant world melt? Wow, that was some heat, intense heat. (sighs) But if you kept things watered, then the plant material, for the most part, could care less. My annuals and everything really look spectacular, but uh, I didn't water every day by any means. I just water twice a week, usually on Saturday and Wednesday, because I just I don't want to be, let's say, addicted to being outside and doing all that other crazy stuff, regardless of the weather. But anyway, if you got any questions you'd like to talk about, Plant World. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And uh, the Good Gardening Stroll, I'll be doing that shortly. And then afterwards, we can talk about your trees. I'm already starting to see some trees dropping, some maple trees in our neighborhood are dropping leaves. And uh, they're colored. Wow, is this fall already? Wow, we're near the end of August, so... It's getting there close. How about the perennials? Should you be cutting things back that have finished flowering? And your shrubs, how do they look? How about your cool season lawn? That ground cover, what kind of ground cover does that Mike Miller have in between his sidewalk and street? Looks pretty good. Hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is. Anyway. How about routine care and maintenance? How about uh, the impact of your dogs on your (laughs) area running along your fence? How about insects? Speaking of insects, we've got fruit flies. I don't know how they got into our house, but I've gotten a couple traps now and uh, trying to get rid of them. But, I mean, they have just been driving us nuts. At first I thought they were gnats, and then Tracy said, No, those are fruit flies. I said, oh, no, they're not fruit flies. They can't be. They're gnats. But anyway, they are fruit flies. And so we've got the traps. I'm going to get a couple more so we can have, because they're, I mean, it's just amazing how, I mean, they, they don't bite or anything. It's just they're real aggravating. But anyway, remember, this is your show, and I appreciate you having me into your plant world. Another very important player is Drew. He's been producing weeks and weeks and weeks in a row. And uh, thank him very much. 
I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. So next year, it'll be 30 years. Oh, my God. That's almost half my age. Anyway, Saturday morning, yes, we get together, but I can come to your plant world. And this uh, upcoming week, I'm going to be going to uh, several different homes and actually a cemetery on Ladue Road. And uh, so it's going to be really kind of interesting. I'd been to the cemetery multiple years ago, but they're doing some major changes and new buildings and things like that. Anyway, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage has my email address and phone number. Well, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by... St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. A breeze from the east blows the flags. Ah, it felt so good. A banner reads slpl.org. Crickets were singing as dawn was arising. Large blue pots on the corner. A trio with dark Red, coleus, they really look good. I mean, whoever's taking care of the plants in these pots has done a great job. Yellow flower cannas, cascading sweet potato vines, and the lawn, nice and neatly mowed. And uh, some great artwork, too, along the building. There's, uh, as you go up the steps, the walkways, the actual architecture and everything else, If you go on the east side, there's a pollinator garden and a huge artwork. It looks like a head that's surrounded by aluminum butterflies. Wow. And it was done in 2015. A fountain says, love of learning. The sequestered nooks and all the sweet serenity of books. That's a quote from Longfellow. There's a banner at the historic Olive Street entrance. Uh, the true entrance is actually on Locust now, but this is a historic entrance there on Olive. It says uh, prom, so they're specializing in a prom. So uh, raindrops were falling, but I didn't mind because all it does is make my hair even more curly. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of proms, 19, 1967, I was on a double date with a good friend of mine, and we rented tuxedos at a shop on Clayton Road near Hanley at that time. And our luck would have it that we were able to rent tuxedos that were shorts, a tuxedo coat and shorts with tuxedo pants, only they were shorts. So in 1967, I have a picture of me and him and our dates uh, with us with our shorts on. So they had those, I guess, that silk streak that runs down the leg of those shorts and everything. So it was just kind of a, an amazing thing. So anyway, the fact that I don't think they contacted me. I bet in 67 we were probably the only people that wore shorts to the prom, at least at Lafayette. I don't know about other schools, maybe more schools, but uh and I, th- I couldn't remember, you know, because that was kind of a long time ago. But I think we had our prom at the Chase, Chase Park Plaza. I think we had it someplace. I forget exactly where it was. But it was the first one that has was out of the school gymnasium. So Lafayette way back when, 67. 
So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's talk with Mary before we take a break. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have um, a problem. My hydrangea is beautiful, very healthy. Did not give me one bloom. Why? Uh, just weather. I mean, all summer, it, it, it's, it's, it's almost 20 years old. Would that make a difference? Uh, it all depends on variety-wise. Is it a bloomer that's uh, for normal springtime, or is it a summer bloomer? Probably 20 years old. That's probably a, a PG, and that it, might be a spring bloomer, and that was the flower buds could have been knocked off by the cold weather that we had last fall. Well, they get the blooms get really, really big, and they're beautiful, and they have them all summer usually. And then I put that stuff on there. I forget what it is to make them purple looking. Oh yeah, aluminum sulfate. Did I do too much? Maybe no. That's it. As was related to weather more so than doing something like that. Keto. Okay, well, thanks for being there, Mike. Sure. You always well, answer my questions. <laughs> thank you. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open and back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Scott's yard. Hi, Scott. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Um, I, I got a simple thing. We had uh, our driveway redone. We had gravel put down, and uh, grass is growing up. Um, what can I apply to nail that grass? Uh, pretty much, I would just use. Uh, so, you, so you don't have any kind of concrete or anything. So you just have a gravel no. driveway. Yeah. Well, what we did, we had we had cement runners, and um, so we had those torn out. They they put them underneath on the one side. Uh, what have you but basically it was 40 tons of gravel <laughs> whoa you know? and well it, and then and it i'm easily amazed at little things like that and 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 we like the guy and everything like that so i'm not mad at him or or anything he's a great guy and everything it's just uh both my wife and i said ah obviously we should have put down some kind of tarp should have put been put down and stuff so um that's what I was calling was just to to see what she said. It's crabgrass that's growing up and everything like that. So, well, if it's crabgrass, then you could use a pre-emergent. But right now, what I do is I'd go out there with like uh, Roundup and just spray it. Okay, that's okay. That I that that's what my wife told me, and she and she's usually right. So uh, she's right again. <laughs> she's right again. So I get to live. I get to live another day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All it's. Right. Uh, and just realize that even if you would put a some kind of tarp or landscape fabric or anything else underneath it, that stuff is going to biodegrade and you're going to probably still have weed seeds that can come in and yeah. uh, consequently germinate and grow, you know, in the gravel. So because we did do that, we did did we did. Excuse me, I can't speak. I apologize. That's we okay. did do that in the. Uh, mulch beds where we did put a tarp down but stuff periodically um you know grows up but the thing is it doesn't take much uh you know to just kind of 
you know, pull it out and stuff like that. But the gravel driveway, that, you know, like I said, 40 tons of gravel, I'm, I'm not redoing that, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right, sounds good. And, and uh, like everybody who calls in, I hear you all the time. I just, I just enjoy the enjoy listening to you so and and uh so and, and so again uh thank you for allowing us to be on your show sure i greatly appreciate it and then next year when uh, the fort yellow forsythia is in bloom you could put a pre-emergent down because that will help control the crabgrass and the various grasses and purslane and spurges and all that other stuff so you can do it uh kill the stuff that's there now and then go after it next spring early spring with a pre-emergent. And now let's see, where should we, let's go over to Boomers. Hi, Boomer. Hey, Mike, how are you doing today? Very good. Hey, listen, I, I have a question similar to the gentleman that just called and um, with crabgrass. So I talked to a professional that deals with chemicals, um, weed killers and all that jazz. And basically he said that pretty soon you know, the crabgrass is just going to die off. It's already right. gone through its life cycle. And so my question is, if that's the case, should I not even worry about putting any kind of weed killer down and just let it die off over the winter? Well, I mean, with the crabgrass, a weed killer, you're going to have to use a grass killer, not a weed killer, because weeds are generally considered broadleaf weeds. And they right. won't impact grassy type or grass type plants. So you could just go ahead and just leave it alone. And uh, if it's growing in your lawn or regardless of where it is, and then next year when the forsythia is in bloom, put the pre-emergent down. Right. Does does crabgrass seed itself over the winter? Oh. And Basically through the entire growing season, but mainly – you know, it's been dropping seeds the whole time because it is an annual weed, and so grassy weed. So consequently, it you know it only has one year lifespan. But during that life, you know, one year, it's been dropping seed, and that's how it comes back the following year from the seed that it dropped the previous year. Right. So there, there comes in the pre-emergent. Right. Okay. Okay, and. Let me ask you an old-fashioned question because, you know, my mom's she don't use chemicals. She just pulls the weeds, and so I kind of grew into that habit myself, and I just I pull it, right? And it gets too enormous to pull. Am I just doing more damage by maybe spreading seeds or whatever by doing that? You know, or should I? Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Just leave it alone. No, you can dig it. I mean, I do a lot of digging myself. I don't, uh, you know, I know the chemicals. I use the chemicals, you know, minimally. But that that's just my own choice because I want to see the weeds, you know, that are coming into my bed spaces, into my pots, into my lawn and everything else. So when somebody calls, I can relate to, you know, what's going on. So, but uh, no, I do a lot of digging of the crabgrasses for sure. And there's a couple other weeds that are just driving me nuts lately. Okay. That's great. Thank you so much for your help. I appreciate your show, Mike. Sure. Thank you. And let's go now to Rosemary's yard. Hi, Rosemary. Good morning, Mike. It's Hi. Rosemary. Um, it's another lawn question. The lawn company wants to plug and seed now. Is it too early? And I can't water their whole yard for sprouting those seeds. Uh, it's not really too early. I mean, uh, you're, we're kind of on the cusp. It is the very beginning. But uh, just realize that uh, if you're going to put, you know, you know, put any kind of seed down, you, you can't put any kind of pre-emergent down. And I think they already did the pre-emergent a couple of weeks ago. Okay, so that's uh, – they probably got the timing okay – but usually when you put a pre-emergent down, what it does is it creates a chemical barrier on the surface of the ground at, uniformly because it's all, you know, it's covered in theory just like a blanket is, uh, you know, on you as, in, in bed or, or whatever it happens to be. It covers everything. So when you come in with a core aerator, you're actually breaking that chemical barrier and then you're you know enabling some of the you know potential problems to happen. So, but they probably got their timing down, and they probably feel comfortable about it. Okay. And the other one, I have about a dozen shaped privet bushes, and they're sadly in need of pruning and shaping. Is it too early yet? Should I wait? And when I do, how much can I trim back? Uh, just never more than twenty percent. And then okay. it's a little bit early because you could get some sunburn because we still don't know what our goofy weather is going to be like. So I would say wait until uh, oh, mid-September or so, and uh, that would be the earliest, and get it done before it gets too late. So mid-September through Thanksgiving, that should be the time when you could get your pruning done. Sounds great, Mike. Thank you very much. I love your show. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me on your show. And let's now go over to Kathy's yard. Hi, Kathy. Good morning. 
I have three questions for you. Um, my red buds seem to have more of the little, I call them little, they look like little pods, like little bean pods. Yeah. I have two trees that are just covered them with them. I've not had that many pods on over the years. I have also lamb's ear. I want to know if I can cut that back now because they're all ugly and brown and sticking up. And my third question is the deer have eaten some of my peonies. Can I cut that back now? Yeah, you're, you can cut the peonies back for sure. And the red buds with the, I mean, they're in the same family as the beans or peas or things like that. So that's why they have those bean pods. And okay. so you just had a good year for them. And uh, let's see, what so was your third the, question? I, I was worried about, I, I'm sorry, I was worried about the uh, <laughs> the heat on them or if I overwatered, underwatered. So just leave it alone. Yeah, you're fine. Okay. Lamb's ear? And lamb's ear, I'm surprised they're looking bad because uh, usually, I mean, they. this is a time of year when they do look kind of really good, and then they start going downhill. But, yeah, if it, it's, you know, to the point where the aesthetic value is gone, just cut them. Okay. Thank you so much. Yep, my pleasure. And let's see what's going on in Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hey, I've got a question that I've always had, and I keep forgetting to call, and the guy that called in about his driveway made me remember it. What is your opinion of using uh, industrial, uh, like 45% vinegar as a weed killer? It's pretty good. Okay. I mean, there's no getting okay. around it. There there are special vinegars that are horticultural vinegars, but even regular vinegar works pretty well. Yeah. i I just curious. I've never heard you bring it up, and I, I, I'm, I'm definitely... I, I don't like to use Roundup, so I wanted to find something, and and I and it seems to be working. I just didn't know if there's some concerns or, or you know what your opinions were. So I thought I'd finally call and ask you. So no, it's fine. All right, thank you. Yep, three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the Voice of St. Louis. KMOX. And this is also watermelon season. Here's a quote from Mark Twain. Watermelon is the chief of the world's luxuries. King by the grace of God over all the fruits of the earth. When one has tasted it, he knows what the angels eat. That's from Mark Twain. Related to watermelon. (laughs) Let's head over to Debbie's yard. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Mike. Hi. Hey, I have a knockout rose. It's probably six or eight years old. Um, but this year, when the new growth starts coming out, it it's like red and is all shrivelly, and it doesn't really produce any blooms. Ooh. What's going on? Uh, you got a disease that's basically ruined your roy- rose. You're going to have to get rid of it. It's called rose rosette. It's a disease okay. that's uh, spread by spider mites. And consequently, once it's uh, once the spider mites that have it in their system start feeding on your rose, they inject this stuff into the rose, and then it just it heads them downhill. There's nothing you can do. There's no treatment. There's nothing except getting okay. rid of it. And then you can put a new rose back in. Just make sure that you get rid of all the old rose first. 
Okay, okay. All right, that's kind of what I thought it was, but I just wanted to check with an expert. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> sure, my pleasure. Yeah, it's uh, rose rosette is really a nasty disease, you know, and unfortunately it, it impacts all the different kinds of uh Roses. It's not just the shrub type roses. It's not the hybrid teas. It's not the miniatures. It's not anything. It has an impact on all of them. So, as I said before, this is a time of year where if you want to get the, your pre emergent down, this is the time to be doing it. And what you're doing by putting the pre emergent down this time of year is you're getting rid of. The cool season annual weeds, which include henbit, dead nettle, chickweed, annual bluegrass, and several other ones as well. So the pre-emergent, you put it down mid to late August, early September, and then you want to get it down before any of these weed seeds germinate because the pre-emergent only kills plants that are as they're germinating from the seeds, not the ones that are already growing. And there's basically up to a million different kinds of weed seeds can be in a soil. And uh, a lot of them are eaten by insects and different things and microorganisms kill them off. But uh, guess what? Pre-emergent will really help with those annual and it's not just killing annual weeds. It will kill perennial weeds that are coming up from seed. So perennial weeds generally regrow from the root system, but also these perennial weeds do produce seed, and then consequently those seeds will be killed by the pre-emergent applications. And this, again, this is a time of year to be doing it. So just be conscious of it. So. It's just, it's real, really, really important. And uh, as far as which type of pre-emergent to use, I would just go to your favorite garden center and uh, just ask them what they have and what's, you know, what they would recommend because there's multiple companies that do pre-emergent, that do produce pre-emergence. So consequently, company-wise, it doesn't really matter what you, you know, which company you use. They're all pretty effective. Uh, this is a time, a good time of year, too, to get your soil tested so you know as far as applications of fertilizers on your lawn. You want a separate test for your lawn. You want a separate test for bed spaces like vegetable gardens, edible areas, and things like that. And then you could have a separate test for your perennial beds, your ground cover areas, and things like that. And why you want to bother with that because sometimes if you're using a fertilizer you think you're doing good but if your soil already has you know high levels of certain chemicals which are part of the whole fertilizer family or packet circumstances it could be detrimental more harm than good so you think you're helping by fertilizing but if you're doing it to uh, with the wrong kind of fertilizer, you're actually doing more harm than good. And uh, get the soil test. You can drop it off in Kirkwood. There's a place, uh, University of Missouri Extension Service has a spot on East Monroe in Kirkwood. And uh, you can drop it off there. You can actually go online and check out the University of Missouri Extension Service and actually take the sample 
yourself and have it shipped to you know shipped to them. And the cost for a soil test is about uh, twenty five bucks or so. And what you want to do is you want to cut any kind of plant material out of the way. So in other words, if it's in the lawn or if it's in a ground cover area or you just don't want to get any other plant material in. You want to get just pure soil. And uh, you want to go about an inch or so below the surface. And uh, ultimately, you want to get about uh, oh, a Ziploc bag full. And so uh, with, the, with really for lawns, you should go a little bit deeper than for some of the other things. Uh, for lawns, a sample should be about uh, three to four inches deep. You know, and that's, you know, kind of the the area where the the nutrients are going to be showing up. Let's let's head over to Archie's yard. Hi, Archie. Hello? 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 Yes, sir. I was calling about these uh, cobwebs. You know, it looks like something's making cobwebs on one of the one of the, uh, the trees in the backyard. Yeah, f- for the most part, they're just spiders, so I wouldn't worry too much about them. Just you know, if you if I don't know how high up in the tree, but I've got uh, a mugo pine that is you know getting them on there, and I just go out there and pull them out of it. You know, pull them out of the tree. So it's not well, uh, something that's really going to be all that detrimental. It looks like there's a little caterpillar inside of the Ooh. inside of these webs. So is this a, is this a tree that's a pine type tree? No, it's not a pine type tree. I mean, I don't know what kind of tree it is, but they it seems like they're eating the leaves up. You know. Yeah. So well then, the the problem is that that netting, you know, those the cobwebs make it so an insecticide doesn't penetrate it really well. So as far as getting rid of the caterpillars, if you do have the caterpillars in there, I thought maybe you had pine sawflies or something like that, which I've had before. And they do the netting as well as far as the cobwebbing. But consequently, with your circumstance, I would say you've got to get you know either that or just don't pay any attention to it. It could get worse, but it's not going to get – it's never going to be, let's say, deadly for your tree. It's more of an aesthetic – aggravation more so than anything else. Okay. So there's nothing to worry about. Not really. I mean, uh if you've got a if you've got a bunch of them, then I would get a tree service to come out and they can take care of it. But if it's high up in your tree where you can't reach, then there's not too much you can do. Right. Okay. Well I I can reach it, you know. Oh you can? Well I would just go ahead and you know if you want to just you know, you can put a pair of uh, rubber gloves on if you want, or I just use my own hands. I don't care. But anyway, right. I just I just take them apart. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you, and thank you for your show. Well, thank you, and thanks for giving me a chance to talk to you today. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. 
Haven't had any mole questions for a week or so, but to realize that the moles, their main diet is earthworms. So consequently, controlling grubs is not going to get rid of the moles. So if you have a mole problem, realize that you probably have a nice yard in many ways or else there wouldn't be earthworms there in the first place. So it's kind of a hit-and-miss type thing. I got a nice yard. I got earthworms. Oh, now I got moles. And there's a product called Kaput, K-A-P-U-T, which is a gel-type thing you inject into the surface tunnels. That's where the moles travel towards the sound of earthworms crawling. And it consequently, this Kaput stuff smells like earthworms. It will kill the moles. So just keep that in mind. Let's head over to John's yard. Hi, John. Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I uh, caught the tail end when you were talking about throwing, I guess, pre-emergent down in, I guess, it, you know, August, early September. Right. Um, and I, I always thought that was kind of a spring spring deal. And I, I understand the concept. But my question was, if you end up doing that, what does that do to your fall seeding or overseeding? Does that, will that prevent um, the the uh, germination of your grass seed in the fall that you put down? Yes. <laughs> It okay. doesn't so care you, what, yeah. It doesn't care what kind of seed. It just kills seeds. It's germinating. So that is there. Is, is it? Should you space it? Where? I mean, how long does the pre-emergent actually last? And you know, I've always thought that that was the best time of the year to do your grass seed overseeding. Oh, the fall is to, by far the best time. So uh, there's no getting around it, as opposed to spring because the ground's cold in the spring. Fall is by far so. It's almost a, a circumstance or a situation where you decide if you want to overseed, go ahead and do that with lawn seed and then just skip the pre-emergent for that year. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, very well. Another question for you, too, is um, I've got Bermuda kind of invading my fescue. And what is the best way to kind of get rid of that? That, that Bermuda. I don't know how it came in, um, but it's kind of taken over the left side of my yard. Is yeah. Any recommendations for that? Uh, yeah, it's I tough. would go head to your favorite uh, garden center and just check and see what they have as far as Bermuda grass control. But uh, there's several different chemicals at work. How it comes in are a lot of times birds love it for their nest. You know, okay. as far as lining. And so they got a piece in their mouth and they just kind of fly over. And if they drop it, that stuff is really kind of tough and is able to get established that way. Gotcha. Very well. One last question before, before I let you go. Have they come out yet with a pre-emergent for nutgrass or uh, any of that? No. <laughs> no, they haven't yet. <laughs> Okay. And with the nutgrass, I mean, it will kill the nutgrass seed, but the nutgrass is a perennial-type weed, so that's where, you know, where the real problem comes from. Gotcha. Okay. Well, hey, thanks for taking my call. You have a great weekend, okay? Sure. You do the very same thing. And now let's get to – let's go to another John's yard. Hi, John. Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. I've yes. got some uh, arborvitaes out back around our patio. We're going to be tearing out said patio and redoing it. Um, we like the arborvitaes there, and I don't know the exact species. I asked an arborist recently about it, and he said he really is not that familiar with uh, my, my exact question, which was, can we split it down the middle of one of those clusters 
and expect it to leaf out on the other side if we were to have to remove part of one of those arborvitaes. They're, again, about 10, 12 feet tall. We like the shade, the proximity to the patio. What should we expect if we start chopping into one, and is there a best practice for trying to to split one, if you will? If you chop into it, there's nothing ever going to happen on that side. It's just going to be, you know, naked sticks. Okay. So it's kind of a, a all or nothing, it sounds like. Either keep right. the whole uh, cluster. Um, is there their, their, their proximity to one another is relatively close uh, in that uh, my fear is that if we get into the root system, can we do major damage? Should we just try to be very particular if we do end up having to remove one of those clusters? How do we, how do we uh, try to save the rest of the bunch? There's a nice line of them again, and we just really want to just take out one maybe uh, three-foot-wide section of it. Yeah, I mean, you can't really, t- you know, so you're, you're, if there's one that you're going to have to cut into, you might as well just dig it up and get rid of it entirely. Unless okay. you, I mean, from an aesthetic standpoint, it's, I mean, they yeah. can survive some, something like that, but just from an aesthetic standpoint, there it's going to be ugly. And it's going to be the first thing you see right off the house, so that wouldn't work anyway. That, that answers my question, Mike. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's see what's going on in Margaret's yard. Hi, Margaret. Uh, Mike, thanks for taking my call. Uh, this older lady told me that Epsom salt will kill grass. Does that make sense? Uh, generally, it's not really going to kill your grass. It's, I mean, it's something Thank- that's depending upon... The individual circumstance, it's an amendment to the soil, but it's only to be used in certain situations. Will it kill weeds? No, not necessarily. So what situations should you use it in? Well, like it's it's a soil amendment. So in other words, it's kind of a, it's not necessarily particularly a fertilizer, but that's kind of what it is, you know, cluster grouped with is fertilizing. Okay, Mike. Thanks, so it's thanks. not it's not an herbicide. It's not a weed killer. It's a a soil improver. Let's put it that way. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I could use it on my fescue or something. <laughs> yeah, if you will. <laughs> okay, Mike. Thank you. Yeah. Thank- and just like with anything, make sure that before you put anything down. You read the label entirely, completely, and that's with anything. I've got a kind of a a bad. This is not related to plant material necessarily, but uh, I've got a kind of a bad spot on my lower leg, and I've <laughs> I've been using Dermaplast lately, but uh, Tracy got some new stuff, and I read the label. And uh, I said, whoa, as far as how much you should use, how far away you should put it, you know, hold it away from your skin. So the same thing applies to the outside with your plant material. If the label says don't apply when the temperatures are this hot, don't do it. I don't care if you, you think, well, uh, I'll just get it done and get it over with. That's not how it works in the outside with your plant material. So just kind of keep that in mind. Read the label and understand the label and see what it's going to do for you, if it's the best time of year to be doing it, and if it needs to be watered after, if it's a granular type thing, if you need to water it to make it so it melts 
and creates a better barrier or whatever it happens to be. Just read and understand. And never hurts if you go to your favorite garden center and talk to the people there and because they can give you some tips sometimes that, uh, hmm, yeah, you can read the label, but like I was going to see what I was saying with the spray that I've been putting on my leg, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't say, well, when you shoot it or spray it, it's going to run all over the place, so you better put your foot on a paper towel or something because it's going to be a big mess. And so just kind of keep that in mind. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after the news. Knows where we've been in his octopus's garden in the shade. I'd ask my friend. Yes, folks. Guess what? This is the second hour of the Garden Hotline, which is the tip of the trowel. On-air recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me during this past week. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting. But right now, if you have any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to your plant world, whether it's plants inside or out, you can just simply give us a call. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And we'll talk about it. And thanks for inviting me on to your show, where discussions range from plant selection for specific locations. So you can actually have something that's not going to just create, after a few years, uh, let's say, more work than what you ever anticipated. So in other words, how big is this plant going to get and what's going to happen with it? It's like uh, the Good Gardening Stroll today. I did it around the 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 public library here downtown and they've got some dwarf crepe myrtles and they don't need any pruning at all. They're low. They're about, uh, Oh, let's say 18, maybe 24 inches high and nice flowering and everything else. If they would have put the regular crepe myrtles in, they would have been bigger and more problematic this way. There's not more work to do with them other than, let's say, the normal less fertilization and watering and that, that type thing. So right selection, right plant, right place makes a big difference. So I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path for you to take to achieve success, but strictly offered for you to consider. Another very important player is Drew. He answers the phone. He also pushes all the buttons and everything else so I can talk to you and see what's going on in your world. I'm Mike Miller, hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And uh, besides my Saturday mornings being spent with you, uh, I can come to your home and check out your plant world. On-site consultation uh, walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. And if you'd like to see, <laughs> go to my website and just see a picture of me way back when, when I worked at the Botanical Garden. I'm there kind of, there was a bicycle that had a, a carrier in front of it. And that's when I was going up to the Woodland Garden. That's how I, tools and everything else, I just put <laughs> Put on there and rode that bicycle up the hill to the 
English woodland garden from the lower part of the garden. So anyway, no big deal. So tip of the trial today goes out to all of us who made it through this past week. This was has been an unbelievable week. I've never experienced, you know, a week this intense. And part of my time in the Air Force was at March Air Force Base, which is in Riverside, California. It's actually not in the city of Riverside. It's in a suburb of Riverside. But that's a high, you know, high desert area now. The high desert is a little bit not quite as intense as far as heat goes as the low desert. So in other words, Death Valley is going to be hotter than the high desert where Riverside is. But consequently, I don't ever remember experiencing I was there for like uh, about uh, 18 months experiencing that many days of what we just had in the with the temperatures over 100 degrees. Now, maybe there is, and because I'm getting old, I've forgotten all that, you know, some of that kind of stuff. But for the most part, it's like unbelievable. But a tip of the trial goes out to all the people that were still very loyal to walking their dogs. There's a gentleman who walks a pair of dogs and, I mean, I see him routinely walking his dog. So even though it was hot, they're doing it, you know, he's doing it at a time of day when it's not quite as intensely hot. And there's also a couple of bike riders that ride past our house. And one guy especially, it's unbelievable that he was still riding his bike. And uh, he usually does it like in the heat of the day. So that's uh, everybody that got was out and about and uh, – Myself, I was out for one day, and uh, uh, it was pretty darn hot. But uh, hopefully we got a break, and we're not going to have that again, at least for a little while. So let's go ahead and uh, let's see. Where should we go? Let's go to Kathy's yard. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. Um, um, I First of all, I want to say yes. We did make it through this week, and a lot of us didn't think we would. <laughs> now, I, I have some good news. I have had a few of my hydrangeas blooming. Uh, we didn't think it would, but it we did. All right. I have a question, I have a question for you. Uh, and this came on, like, I would say in an hour or so, because it's a tree in my backyard, so I see it all the time. It's about 40-something years old. It's a pin oak about 100 feet, it's a beautiful tree. Um, yesterday, we looked outside, and there are these big vertical cuts in the um, the trunk. I mean, about, oh, shoot, I would say about maybe five feet long and deep enough that I could get my hand in it, um, and I don't see any insects or anything. Do you think it was because of the extreme heat and humidity? It's like it almost popped. Well, it's not going to happen that quick. So it's probably just been, you know, a process that's been going on for a while. And you just happen to notice it now as opposed to, it, you know, when it was really starting. But it's as long as the tree's healthy and everything else, I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. Okay, because last year, you know, we had some of those gall, the gall things that would fall. And we, I didn't see right. any this year. So it seems fairly healthy. But Right. Okay. Well, okay. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just kind of like aging. Sometimes oh. <laughs> uh, you get wrinkles, and 
some people get more wrinkles than others and some people get deeper wrinkles. And I mean, it's just all part of the aging process. Well, now we're getting a whole another story. Here. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much. Sure. And now let's head over to Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Mike, I have a problem with ants. I guess with the hot weather, it brought them out. So I've been killing all of the ants that are crawling all over my back porch and stuff with regular vinegar. But when I went, now they're invading my hanging baskets on my plant stands. So when I went to water them the other day, there were thousands of them in the soil trying to come out. And they were crawling back up on the leaves and the plastic planter. And um, I don't know what to do. Is there? I can't spray regular vinegar on them. So is there something I can spray in the soil to kill them? Yeah, I would just go ahead and uh, go to your favorite garden center and tell them you got an ant problem and just uh, see what kind of product they have. Oh, okay, great. So you think that I've never seen them like this. They were so bad. Do you think the hot weather did something to them and brought them out of the soil? Not necessarily, but, I mean, that could be part of it. But, uh, they're, you know, I mean, they're just ferocious, and the numbers of them is just kind of incredible. I know. I know. I, I see them in my sleep at night now from killing so many. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> okay, well, that's what I'll do. Thanks so much. Sure. 314-436-7900-1800-925-1120. We do have some phone lines open, and we'll be back after these messages. Yes, Drew just took a look at the weather. It looks like a couple thunderstorms. As we look out our windows, it's getting pretty gray. Anyway, let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi, Mike. Hi. <clears throat> I'm, I'm like you. I'm glad I survived it. Uh, we have a back porch that didn't have any uh, storm windows. I mean, screens that were open, and it was uh, 114. Ooh, like a blast furnace coming in there. Wow. We're surrounded on three side, four sides by corn. So anyway. <clears throat> The, I called you about the blackberries, and they're still not producing much or blooming very much. Should I have a radical? Uh, I have a radical thought. Should I uh, really prune prune them this fall, late fall? Yeah, I would probably, and especially the uh, the bigger canes, the older canes. Get rid of those. Yeah. Now, the okay. younger ones, the smaller ones. I would say they could stay, but you don't have to cut them all down. But yes. Selectively get rid of the older ones. Well, I was thinking about cutting most of them down at a certain height because I got a hedge trimmer. It works real well on that. <laughs> <laughs> so you could certainly do that. I wouldn't cut them down below, you know, don't get them too low. Probably a, maybe at a foot. Okay. That's, that's, that's fairly low. Yeah, okay. I mean, and it's, then, it's severe, but we're trying to, you know, trigger some new action off of them yeah i have i have a buckeye planted it's lost its leaves but it's budding back out is it still viable it should be i mean it's uh fortunately the buckeyes don't necessarily like our heat 
there's a couple of Buckeyes that are red Buckeyes that are growing Christy Park across the street from us. They're still holding on to their foliage, but uh, these are probably uh, maybe 10 years old or so. So I don't know yeah, what's this, this is. This was bought earlier. I called you about it, and you told me to repot it in a pot. Oh, yeah. And it seems like it's doing pretty well. So I guess I ought to be happy and quit whining about it. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> also, the last thing I'll add is uh, I always put in uh, a pinch or two of uh, Epsom salt in my new plants like tomatoes and peppers and it seems like it really helps them yeah absolutely yeah when the, the lady who called and thought the epsom salts was an insecticide that just kind of totally caught me by surprise why somebody would tell her that's what it's supposed to be used for well you know there's good doctors and there's witch doctors and who knows. <laughs> very thank true. you very much Mike. yep thanks and let's head over to mary's yard hi mary Yes. Hi. Hi. Good morning, Mike. Um, I have a rose of Sharon Bush, probably 20 to 25 years old, and it's on a slight hill in my backyard, and it's done well all the time. I've lived here since '04, And um, this year, just this year, the top two-thirds look deader than dead except for one main branch that's come through and bloomed. The bottom third has leaves and flowers. The top two-third is pretty much a goner would should i just remove the whole bush or should i try to just trim back this fall everything that didn't produce yeah i would say just cut back the stuff that didn't produce that should be okay Okay. and i think you know it could have been related to several different factors because higher up that's where a colder impact's going to have you know let's say impact on the buds and everything else but if there's no foliage or anything else on it, I would say just go ahead and cut that stuff off. Okay. I, I hoped to save it a bit. I've had a couple folks say, Mary, that thing's going to just disappear on you eventually anyway, blah, blah, blah. But I was hoping to save the bottom third. Um, should I wait until, like, September and October, or can I start hacking once this weather breaks? I would say you can go out there and prune it because it's not going to have all that much of an impact. I mean— Rosa Sharon are summer bloomers, and uh, they, you know, the heat and all that other stuff. I mean, it could impact them, but the actual buds and the reason why it didn't leaf out had something to do with earlier or a earlier in the season weather, and or age. And that makes sense to me. Does twenty to twenty-five years old kind of an old Rose of Sharon bush anyway? Or, in other words, I thought part of this might be age. Yeah, I think it probably is. There's one right down the street from me, and it's kind of doing the same thing as what you're experiencing. Well, thank you, Mike. It gives me a start here to make a decision. I think I'm going to try to save part of it, so thank you. Sure. And now let's go over to Lenny's yard. Hi, Lenny. Hey, Mike. How are you today? Good. Hey, uh, I planted some about four-foot green giant arborvitaes about six weeks ago. They were doing great. And because of the heat, I guess, and I, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't water for a week. One of them is yellowed. Will yellow come back? I know if it's brown, it's, it's a goner, but will yellow come back to green? No. (laughs) 
Yellow is sort of the just pre-brown is what is happening. So in other okay. words, it's the root system, you know, just they're newly installed. The root system wasn't established enough to be able to withstand the craziness and why one out of the four, whatever it happens to be, was impacted. It's, you know, difficult to say, but it's just uh, that one's headed downhill. All right. Well, well. Well, thanks for your help. Yep. Yeah, I'm planning uh, something like that in the middle of summer, even before we even knew it was going to be this hot and everything else. It was probably discoloring earlier on, even if you were, you know, watering routinely. But anybody for any, you know, anything that you're installing, particularly tree and shrub wise, for the first two weeks after you've put them in the ground, you should probably water them, you know, I I want to say every day. You don't have to soak them for hours or anything, but just like what you're trying to do is just transition from a retail nursery circumstance where the plant material are watered routinely, sometimes not every day, but a lot of times it is every day. And so that transition of two weeks should help the root systems get, you know, just start to get established it's not going to be major growth or anything. And then just, again, planting-wise, three times the diameter of the root ball, but only 80% as deep. So just kind of always keep that in mind. Let's go over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hello. Hi. I have a pumpkin plant, and it's it's vine in the lot, and it's bloomed, but the blooms fall off. Is there anything I could do or give it, give it or something that <coughs> have me to get a pumpkin? <laughs> this late, probably not. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's probably weather-wise as much as anything that was knocking the flowers off of it. Oh, okay. Okay. Nothing I could feed it. Nope. <laughs> it's not going to make okay. any difference at all. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Yep. That's an unfortunate circumstance, but those kind of things do happen. Oh, as sad as it is. And let's see. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? 
where working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. What's going on with Tom's yard? Hi, Tom. There is one thing that really loves this weather in late July and in August. It's spurge. <laughs> uh, I don't think a, uh, a uh, early pre-emergent must do anything to it because it's a, a summer grower. Uh, usually, you know, I go out and pull it out. If we've had, a, you know, a good soaking rain, it pulls out real easily. Yes. But obviously we haven't had one of those. I've tried Weed Be Gone on it, and it, uh, it just, I think it coughs, but that's about it. Yeah, spurge is tough. I mean, it has a really deep tap root, and it yep. spreads like a doily. It's just kind of amazing how fast it can grow. I've, you know, I've got uh, some of it that I just kind of leave alone just to see how fast and how big it's going to get. And it's just in cracks in the sidewalk or out in the street well, or things like that. It's that well, is it cracks in the sidewalk. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's just absolutely amazing, and it's. Uh, that white sap, too, is kind of an interesting thing. It's in the same family as poinsettia plants are. So it shows you how crazy the plant world is. Yeah. Well, I don't want to put Roundup on it because it will kill other things. But uh, as I right. say, uh, the weed be gone doesn't seem to do much for it. No. But what you can do is if you – yeah, if it's overgrowing in other plant material like your lawn and stuff – then there's not really too much you can do other than really hand dig it. Yeah. Well, again, as I say, if we get a soaking rain, it's easy to pull out. Right. But uh, we haven't had one of those. Yeah, I use. I have a weeder, and I can you know pop them out. But sometimes it's just uh, like it's just aggravating how many there can be. It's just a kind yeah, it of fans amazing. out. I mean, you got to root around with your hand to make sure you get the tap root, so to right. speak. But uh, yeah. But but no real solution other than pulling it out, right? Not that I, you know, that I've had great success with. Okay, thank you. Yep. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. At least downtown, it looks like it's starting to rain, and it's raining pretty hard. So <laughs> I haven't heard any thunder or seen any lightning, but uh, the drops are coming pretty much straight down. Let's head over to Pat's yard. Hi, Pat. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, hi. Uh, you came out to our yard out in New Haven, and I want to thank you for the good advice you gave us. Uh, this morning I have a question about hydrangeas. Okay, sure. Uh, what I want to know is when do I cut them back? Depends upon which variety it is. If it's a spring oh. bloomer, it's too late. If it's a summer bloomer, you can prune them all the way back until uh, probably get it done before Thanksgiving. Before Thanksgiving. I think they must be summer bloomers because they've just finished blooming and they're turning brown now. Okay, okay. then, yeah. You can. You got all the way, if you don't mind the bracts, you can leave the bracts, so in other words, the spent flowers on there, and just you can cut those off. Like I said, I'd probably get it done before Thanksgiving just in general. Okay, and how far do I cut back? Just cut off the flowers? Yeah, you can do that if you want. Uh, you can cut them back a little bit lower, maybe go down 
one leaf below where the flowers are and cut them. And when you make the cut, do it at a 45-degree angle. 45-degree angle. Okay. Okay. Um, one other question. We've got cone flowers. Can we cut them back, or should we just leave them all winter for the birds? But th- that's my question about that, when to cut them back. Uh, you can do it now. I've got some purple cone flowers myself. And what I do is I cut I cut them back, but also I cut the spent flower heads off and just let them fall on the ground and then let the birds eat them that way as opposed to trying to eat them off the stem. Oh, got it. Okay, and cut them down pretty close to the ground? Or how yeah, I cut, the ground? Them, I cut them back to about, uh, oh, three or four inches. Okay, all right. Okay, thank you, sir. Appreciate yeah. it. Great. My pleasure. And uh, thanks for having me out to your house. And, yeah, the purple cone flowers I have are in between the garage and the alley. And uh, that was one of the things I was going to do today is start cutting back that colony because I've got a pretty huge group. But uh, I'm not going to be out there in the pouring rain like it is right now doing that. So, anyway, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We do have some phone lines open, but let's head over to Mary's yard right now. Hi, Mary. Hi. Um, I planted some milkweed and that has a little orange flowers on it. And I've noticed I'm getting some pods growing on it that look kind of like okra. And are those seed pods? Yes. Yes, they are. (laughs) So you can just leave them alone and just let the seeds drop. Okay. And I wouldn't want to open, I mean cut them off later in the fall and try uh, planting the seeds in the spring or? Well, yeah, yeah, the seeds will drop and they should be able to germinate, you know, where they drop. Now, ultimately, rather than trying to, well, you could try, you know, if you want to cut some of them off, if you want to have some more in a different location, but you don't really need to do anything. They kind of take care of themselves. Okay. And then I noticed yesterday, there were caterpillars um, crawling all over one of the plants. I picked them off, and then when I went back a couple hours later, there were four or five more back on it. <laughs> should, I continue, should I continue picking those off? Or? Yeah, you can, certainly. Okay. Are, are, would they eat the plant? or? Uh, they could do some damage, but milkweed is pretty tough, and they usually are not going to do that much damage to them. Okay. Well, that's how I know about those pods. So thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Chris's yard. Hi, Chris. Hello, Chris. Are you there? Hello. Hi. Hi. Go ahead. Um, Yeah, I had it. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, good. Um, I have... um, what, for lack of a better term, is a forest or a grove of Bradford pears. And I recently <laughs> learned that those are an invasive species that uh, that everybody is encouraging you to get rid of. And um, so what I, what I wanted to check on is um, I, I'm prob- I'd like to just, like, take a bobcat and push them all off, but... <laughs> But I'll probably more than likely just start cutting them down. And 
I've noticed with those, and I've also got a bunch of walnut trees that I took out, and they've the suckers have regrown. So, is it in order to to stop that progression? Is there a way to do that, like by putting Roundup on the stump right away, and then put cuts in it and do it every so often till for a while? Or how is there a way to stop the suckers from growing? Or what's what's the suggestion? Yeah, it's uh. If you're going to do any kind of thing at all, just make sure that you use a product for, you know, killing woody plants. And so just, uh, you know, I mean, there are stump killers that you can auger holes down into the stump. But it's still the root system is going to stay viable for several years, even if you do that. And you could still Mm -hmm. get some suckers off the root system. But for the most part, if if you take it down... And you start to see some growth coming uh, for this, let's say, the perimeter of the stump. Just get some Roundup for killing woody plants, and that will kill it. So just keep keep an eye on them and keep hitting them until they right. stop growing. Right, okay. which will take a couple of years, potentially. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Yep. And let's see what's going on in Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Hey there. Hi there. Hi. I have a couple of plants I've had outdoors uh, all summer, and I'm kind of concerned about both of them. One, I have three of the Gerbera. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, um, daisy. Yeah, Gerber daisies. Gerber daisy, and um, they've been doing great. When this heat came, I'm watering them more, and two of them just look like they're just falling over, and they, they don't get revived after being watered, I guess is what I want to say. Right. I've, I've put them in the shade more than they were in the sun for almost all summer and hoping that will help. Um, did I do right in doing that? Is, is it be, they're not coming back after being watered because they've been overwatered? Yes. <laughs> overwatered, you basically killed the root system. Right. All right. I mean, they're a plant that really likes that on the dry side. So by overwatering, you think you are helping them due to the heat and things like that, but you're really doing more harm than good. So those couple will probably not come back. Probably not. When I, I notice when I water them, the water just goes straight through. Right. So in other words... Yeah. If it's if it's doing that, then there's a lot of moisture in this, you know, in the potting mix that they're growing in. So consequently, it's just passing, you know, it's pushing all the water out. If the yeah. if the potting mix is dry, then it kind of goes down much slower. Right, right. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. If I buy some more next year because I like them, and they do well. Are those good to bring? I I do have a patio door that gets lots of sun during. Can you bring those inside and try to winter them over for the uh, for this winter season, then bring them back out? You could try it, but for the most part, you're not going to have much luck with them. Yeah, they don't I mean, like it. You know, they're outside plants, and they don't like you know inside, even if it's a you know a non-heated circumstance and everything else, the amount of sunlight and everything is not going to be good for them. Right, 
I, I know. All right. And then the other one I've had outside all summer, and I really like the plant, is it's called a polka dot plant. Mm-hmm. And that one over the t- over time has gotten real, real spindly tall. And when I first, when it was first growing, it was like bushy. And I thought it was getting too much sun, so I put it in less sun. It's still spindly. Is there anything I can do to cut that back so it gets bushy again, or? Well, you can cut it back, but uh, I don't know if it's if it's going to bush out. I've I've probably got about a dozen or so growing, and mine gotten pretty huge. So, uh, is yours like, pink or is it uh, white? It's it's pink. Yeah, and it's really doesn't matter as far as the color goes. Uh, they really like to be in bright sun all day long, every day. And then, hmm. I mean, uh, that's going to be the best thing for them. Has yours gotten just really tall? Mine are probably, uh, I've got them growing in pots, uh, maybe 30 inches tall. Yeah. And mine, are, mine are pretty tall, too. And I, I like the bushiness at first, but right. then I go, what happened now? Um, and... Yeah. And could I bring that in? Well, again, it's one of those that's going to be more trouble than it's going to be as, you know, worth. Let's put it that way. Right. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for your for your time. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, I mean, certain things, I mean, you can buy them. And, yes, technically they can grow as, you know, inside in the wintertime, but uh, don't expect a whole lot out of lots of different things. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Yes, folks, let's head over to Patricia's yard. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Mike. Hi. This is Pat. Hi. Uh, I've got a question on cannas. They're in full sun a good part of the, well, most of the afternoon. And they got about, oh, six feet tall this year, and they're so healthy-looking, but none of them bloomed. Well, some of them, uh, you know, so I've got kind of the same situation as, you know, as what you have. I've got, uh, like, four different clumps of them. Three of the clumps have flowered, and the other one has not. And so it may be just who knows why— even though they're in close proximity to each other, it's uh, I wouldn't worry too much about it as long as they're healthy. We do grow them for the foliage for the most part, but it is kind of nice to see the flowers. So just don't worry. Yeah, well, last winter, I left them in the ground all winter to see what would happen. Great. And evidently, they came up good. So I don't know because they didn't flower if I should have dug them up and then replant it in the spring, if that would maybe help them bloom? No, that's not going to make that much difference. As long as they come up and they have good size, regular size leaves, and they're growing to the the proper height, because some of them are going to be shorter than other ones, depending upon the particular variety it is, I wouldn't worry, you know, don't don't spend a lot of time or energy thinking about it. Okay, because of their size... I hesitated to put them in big pots. Well, if you already had them in the ground, you don't want to dig them up out of the ground and put them in pots. Okay. Well, I'm just searching for something maybe to help them bloom. But like I said, you know, they look very healthy and they're tall. So 
I'll just enjoy the leaf. Right, because that's really what you're growing them for. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much yeah. for your advice. Sure. And let's see what's going on in Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Yes, Mike. Uh, I have, um, I'm about ready to give up on rhubarb. We've tried rhubarb four different times. This is the fourth time, and I don't know whether it's just the heat or what it is. We put them in individual pots, big pots, and that trying to keep them going. We moved them kind of into the shade to a degree. They get shade in the late afternoon, but uh, they're, they're just all burned up. Yeah, if they're, you know, if they've been, you know, if they've been growing and everything, uh, I was at a house this past week and they've got some, you know, they've had rhubarb and uh, they've already had enough rhubarb that they've harvested enough stems to be able to have a couple rhubarb pies already this year. So uh, it just depends upon the individual circumstance. Are you fertilizing them at all? Uh, just a little bit. I don't know. I didn't want to go overboard. But, yeah. yeah. But uh, I would say if you've had four different ones, four different years. Yeah. Yeah, I would say give up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We we actually uh, are from further north. You know, we're up in northern Iowa. And so uh, rhubarb up there grows like weeds, basically. And then come down here and we can't get it to grow at all. <laughs> so. But, uh, okay, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. All right, bye. Let's see what's going on in Keith's yard. Hi, Keith. Hey, good morning. I I have a a little thing about uh, Bermuda grass. Uh Uh-huh. About five years ago, I took an area about 20 by 15, and it was full of Bermuda grass. And I work with some uh, guys at Monsanto. They were, like, scientists and engineers. And I said, how do I get rid of this this Bermuda grass? Uh Uh-huh. And they said, okay, the 1st of August, you go out there and you hit it with Roundup, and then you put 12-12 fertilizer on it and water it and get it to come back. Then you hit it with Roundup again, put 12-12 fertilizer down, and do that again. And then uh, you do that three times. And then after it's all, it'll be dead as a doornail. Then you burn it, and then you take and you take a shop vac and shop back. They're called cotyledons. That's the runners in the in the in the Bermuda grass. Right. And he's, then you sh, you sh, uh, take a shop back and vacuum all that up, and then you prepare the soil. And by late August, you plant and put and put uh, hay over it, straw over it. And I did that. And by spring, I'm sorry, by Thanksgiving, it was beautiful. Really, it was all fescue and it was beautiful. And then summer came around, and it was nice. And then later on uh, that summer, uh, it was just as bad. It it just came back. All that Bermuda grass came back after all that work. (laughs) And basically, uh, they've said they really. It's so hard to get rid of Bermuda grass. And like my wife said, instead of worrying about it, just don't look down. Look up. Right. (laughs) Exactly. No, it's tough stuff because, I mean, that's what they use on golf courses and things like that. So that shows you how tough and durable it is. And I've heard that even if you go in there with a, a backhoe or, a, 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 you know, a, one of those little skid things, and you take six inches of that and then put fresh topsoil down, 
it'll still come back because of what you said. Birds are even a lawn service that uh, works in a yard, and they there's there's Bermuda grass in the yard, you know, down there, and they bring it in. It's right. gonna it, it'll it'll just birds, cats, dogs, whatever. They'll bring it back in. <laughs> just don't look down, look up. Right, exactly. <laughs> Hey, and one one more question. When's the best time to, uh, you know, like take branches off of a dogwood tree? Is it winter time or? Uh, well, you know? if you cut the branches off, you're cutting you know potential flowers. So the best time to prune a dogwood is right after it finishes flowering. All right, thank you. Yep, my pleasure. And uh, we're just about out of time. So Jane, Dave, and Mike, we're not going to be able to get to you probably today. So sorry. But hopefully I'll be back next week. I'm looking out the window right now, and I cannot believe how hard it is actually raining. So the plants are going to love it. It helps them, you know, cool down a little bit foliage-wise and everything else. And the ground is going to like it, too. So just remember that healthy plants, good plant growth, all depends upon healthy soil. So that's what it's all about. Good soil makes good plants happen. So regardless of what you think or you know how you do or anything else, good soil is extremely important. Whether it's soil in the ground or whether it's potting mix, not potting soil, in your pots. So just have an enjoyable day. Is I don't know how long it's going to be gray or how long the rain is going to last, but... It is kind of nice to see something a little different than what we've experienced this past week. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. 
a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.